These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Those familiar words to you? How often have you read the seven letters to the early Christian churches to which the revelation of St. John was addressed? This is but one. And so I ask you, what are you hiding? Everybody's hiding something. I know that I am. And I know that if all of us were being honest, the reality is that in the depths of our hearts, there are ugly, dark, selfish, hurtful, lustful, greedy, poisonous things that lurk there with hope that we won't even have to see them and think about them ourselves. That we'll keep them at bay and certainly never reveal them to anyone else. We particularly work at and hope to never reveal what's really going on inside of our minds and our hearts at any given moment from the people who are closest to us, who are most invested in our lives, who know us the best. Because we know that if they got a glimpse of what really goes on inside of us, they'd walk away. Even though they know that the same thing is going on inside of them, they still would walk away. We shudder at the thought that one day all of a sudden we realize all of the thoughts of our hearts and our minds, what really goes on inside of us is suddenly being broadcast on all the screens at Woodman's or on the billboard on the side of the highway for all the world to see. Reading lessons like this on a day like this almost feels like being deposed in a criminal trial. And that's exactly how God wants it to be. When you hear the angel of the congregation at Sardis speaking to the people, you should hear him speaking with one voice to one entity, and, and you shouldn't hear of it as a, an entire congregation, but you should think of it as a a single individual person so that you have a, a more easy access to the reality that it could easily be addressed to you individually as well. It's hard for us to accept. We do not want to admit it. But the very, very best that we can do, no matter how long, how much we've invested, will always be declared unfinished in the sight of our God.
There is absolutely nothing we can do to fix ourselves, to bridge the gap between us and a God who has every right to be angry with us. I know your deeds. He's telling you, you have no secrets from him. There is absolutely nothing you have kept hidden from your God. He's heard every word. He's read every thought. He's watched you throughout your entire life utter every contemptible word, demonstrate every condescending attitude, commit every injurious act that you have not been able to keep yourself refrain from harming others. And yes, he's also speaking to you when he says, I, I know you have a reputation. Maybe even among the people that you know best, that, that you are most personally engaged with on a daily basis, your family, your friends, the people you work with, the people in the neighborhood, the people at your congregation. They know you to be a person of faith. They know you to be a person of character. They know just how hard you are truly trying even. And yet, you are dead. It's a theme that echoes throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament. When God is being brutally honest with us, he leaves us with no room to wiggle out from under his glare of blame and accusation and truth. And Ash Wednesday is all about preparing our hearts and our minds for a journey that at times can be so awfully difficult. Because there are those moments of realization that what Christ suffers, the brutality and the human inhumanity that is unleashed on him like no other human being before or since, is actually a product of our own thoughts, words, and actions. Oh, certainly thousands of years ago. But we add the hundreds and thousands and millions of sinful moments, thoughts, attitudes to the massive mountain of brokenness that human beings have been so very good from so very long ago creating. We have our own role. We have our own guilt. We have our own reality that there isn't a single one of us that could be the exception in regard to God saying what he said to this congregation, to each and any one of us. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. It's a warning. It's a plea. It's a direction. It's an opportunity. What we need most in this moment, like so many moments, Ash Wednesday comes but once a year. 
This is a pursuit that is best a daily reality for Christians who are honest about themselves and honest about seeking God's guidance for their lives that they might live today better than yesterday and tomorrow better than today. To be a little bit more objective and see themselves the way God sees them as painful and even disgusting as that might be because there is only one possibility of bridging that gap from unfinished to finished in the sight of God. It's not about how bad we want it. It's not about how good we may get at doing it. We will always come up short. It will always be unfinished in the sight of God because we are never going to attain perfection nor are we ever going to have a single perfect act. Every single thing we do, think, and say will always be tainted with our sin and soul. How we need to be reminded of why we take this Lenten journey. It is to observe Jesus both Sunday and Wednesday battling our enemies for us, overcoming every one of them, despite the pain, the rejection, the venom that he must drink deeply of for hours on end until willingly offering himself into a a voluntary death that he did not deserve because he finished every task flawlessly and perfectly, as only he could. Oh, he faced many a temptation, all similar to the temptations we face. And yet, he never came up short even once, not with brother or sister or parent or friend, not with government official, priest or Levite, in no situation at any moment that he breathed this world's air was anything ever left undone. The completeness, the righteousness, the perfect nature of every last thing that he did was his effort for you as your substitute, living for you, being tempted for you, struggling for you, experiencing the agony of hell for you, so that he might rise for you and give that righteousness and perfection as a gift to you, as the seal of your forgiveness, as your receipt for resurrection from death to live with God forever. Those are all the things that you're told here to remember, all those things you have received and heard and that you are to hold fast to and repent. It's a season of contrition. But then the life of the Christian is a life of contrition. Acknowledgement, honesty, sorrow and repentance, and a rejoicing in the freedom, the relief, the healing of all that God has spoken to us. And so when he tells us to wake up, Because on our own, without him, we are dead. And he tells us to strengthen what remains. He's talking about our faith. 
We know on any given day. If there was a meter that we could see like on the dashboard of a car, where our faith actually is, while it's never all the way over here, completely dead and gone, it's also never all the way over here, complete and flawless and permanent. It's always more likely to the wrong side of center as we struggle and strive. And it's silly in our doing it because we know that without Christ, without the Word, without the sacraments, without a daily diet of Word, of guidance, of forgiveness and love, he's exactly right. It's about to die. And it will always be unfinished in the sight of God until it's all connected to Christ who finishes it all, who leaves nothing undone, who offers us the perfection, the completion that our hearts long for, that we'll never see in this life. But he offers it as a certainty. Through his resurrection, he's given it to you. It is a gift. It is a robe you wear right now every moment of every day. So in honesty, your God sees you for who you are. But in knowing that you listen to, love, believe in and rely on your Savior, Jesus Christ, He now sees every last thing that you desire to do for him, to show him your love, your thanks, your faith, to confess your convictions before the world about everything that your God has shown you, that you rely on, that you have received and heard, that you hold fast. He makes it all happen, day by day, step by step, from this moment forward. It is the reason this season has its balance. Because it continually shows us just who we really are. And it equally shows us just how amazing and unrelenting the love of our God is. That he doesn't leave us languishing in the unfinished. But rather that he proclaims from that cross, it is finished. And then make sure we understand just what that means so that we might rejoice in it. Even in this season of, of somberness and sorrow, because we have the answers God desires us to know. And we hold fast to it. And we repent. And we live. Forever. Amen. Please stand. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever.
Amen.